Well, it is Easter weekend, and I'm excited that we're here and that we're gathered virtually together to be able to celebrate Easter. In fact, as I think about this, I think that Easter of 2020 is going to be our most memorable Easter here at Crosspoint and probably for most churches across the planet, because this is going to be an Easter like we've never had in any of our lifetimes. An Easter where we aren't getting to be able to gather together with, with other people in crowds. We're not coming through the doors of the church. And, and we're going to remember this. And, and we're going to remember this for the fact that we've gathered around a screen, whether it's a television, whether it's a tablet, whether it's a computer, that, that we've done this. And we're going to remember. We're not just going to remember for a few days or a few weeks. I don't even think it's just going to be for a few years. I think we're going to remember this for, for generations. I think we're going to talk about that time. And, and that, that we're going to talk about it like this. You know, hey, remember when we did Easter in our jammies? You know, because you know you, you didn't even get fully dressed the way that you normally would when you go to church, and you're just in your, your jammies today. And, and and maybe you're going, no, no, no. We remember when we got all dressed up, and but yet we just kind of sat on the couch. We sat at the living room. We sat at the kitchen table, and and there we were. And and some of you guys, you're, you're kind of a, a mixed household right now. That, that some of you guys are in your jammies, and yet some of you guys ended up getting fully dressed and getting ready for what you want to do when it comes to celebrating Easter. And and we are. We're going to forever remember. Easter of 2020. And I, I so wish that, that we could be together, not just virtually, but, but be together in the same room celebrating this. And I know we can't. And some of the things that we had planned for this that, that we just weren't able to do that what we wanted to be able to do. However, we are going to do this. That we do have a little swag bag here of Easter goodies, and it's got all the things you would want at home. It's got some sweets. It's got a tumbler for you to drink. It's got toilet paper. I mean, obviously a high-demand item. And so we just want to be able to give this away. And how are we going to do that? Well, we're going to give it away. And as we give this away, we're going to give it away by you texting in. And so you're going to need to text in. And what you're going to text in is the word Easter, and you're going to text that to 210 405 1204. And we're going to take the 27th person that, that texts that in, and we're going to either deliver that to you, or we're going to ship it to you, depending on where you are at. And so the 27th person, and so all the devices, just get that going, and then watch the comments, because we're going to be putting in the comments on YouTube, the comments on Facebook, we're even going to post it on social media of who our winner is of, of each of our services that we are going to be putting online. Well, before we get into what we're going to talk about today, there's one other thing that I want to tell you about, and that is next week, because I'm just as excited about next week as I am about today. Because see, next week, we, we sent this out to many of you guys digitally. You've already seen this. We sent it in an email. It's been out on social media. It's a save the date. And what's it a save the date for? It's a save the date for the Lord's Supper. The, the next week, we're going to be participating in this together, and, and we wanted you to save that date for the 19th next week. And, and, and then we also just started pushing out your actual formal invitation. Again, we, we sent an email out yesterday to the people that are checking us out as far as text services, and we're keeping them informed that way, that, that we've let you know and reminded you about this. And so you are formally invited. And as you think about this, maybe you start to get a little stressed out and you're overthinking it and you're going, oh, what, what, what do we have to go get in order to be ready for this? Because this is going to be in your homes. We're not going to be gathering together. And don't overthink it. You know, traditionally, sure, it's, it's wine or it's red juice. Traditionally, it's, it's some kind of unleavened bread. But don't overthink it. 
we just want you to be prepared in advance that you would get something, a drink for everybody that's going to be there and going to participate with us. Have it ready with you when we start the service next week. And, and it can be milk, it could be juice, it could be lemonade. I mean, you, you've got many options of what that could be. It doesn't have to be unleavened bread. It could be a tortilla. It could be a chip. It could be a cracker. Whatever you want to have for us to be able to celebrate the Lord's Supper together. And again, we're going to do that next week. Well, well today, as I think about Easter, I, I actually think about the very first Easter. And, and I think when it comes to that very first Easter, I think sometimes people have the wrong idea of what the first Easter looked like. That, that some people might have this idea that, that because Jesus, he predicted his death, his burial, and his resurrection, that everybody would have been ready and everybody would have been prepared. And that, that you've got Mother Mary and the other Mary that was close to Jesus, and then you've got all the disciples. And, and you see, it's easy for us to just imagine that they're, they're all gathered around on that Sunday expecting Jesus to just rise again and celebrate Easter, and they're all holding hands. You know, remember that time when we could all hold each other's hands? You know, so there they are. They're all holding each other's hands. There's no social distancing. They're gathered together, and we get this idea that's what it's like, and, and they're just kind of singing, Kumbaya, my Lord, you know, and they're just singing away. And, and then there's the sun just begins to crest over the horizon that they just kind of all stopped in unison and just went, Happy Easter! It wasn't like that. See, the very first Easter, it wasn't like that. The very first Easter was a day when, when they weren't all gathered together and they weren't all expecting about Jesus coming back to life. They weren't expecting about the fact that he would rise again. And, and the thing about Easter is that anybody, anybody can predict their death. Any of us can. And we can be dead right. We can predict it when and how, and we can force it and make it up. Anybody can do this. But Jesus is the only one that after he predicted his death, that he also predicted his resurrection, his coming back to life, and his rising again, that he did this. Matthew, one of the disciples, actually records on three different occasions Jesus telling his disciples and sometimes others that, that he would be dying, that he would be buried, how he would die as a crucifixion, and that he would come back to life, he would raise back to life. He said this on three different times. Matthew recorded three different times. We can look to other gospels and see what they shared as well. But in Matthew, Matthew 16, Matthew 17, and also Matthew chapter 20, these three chapters account for three times that Jesus predicted this. We're going to look at Matthew chapter 20 together, starting in verse 18. Listen, he said, we're going up to Jerusalem where the Son of Man, that's what Jesus, how he would refer to himself, where the Son of Man will be portrayed to the leading priests and teachers of religious law, and they will sentence him to die. That's what he shared, that he's going to be sentenced to death but he's going to be betrayed, that somebody close to him is going to betray him and hand him over to the religious priests and teachers. Verse 19, then they will hand him over to the Romans to be mocked, flogged with a whip, and crucified. Jesus is saying what's going to happen to him. 
And as he, as he lays this out, he, he's laying the, the case out that, that yes, that the priests, they're going to be involved, the religious leaders, and the Romans, that they're going to be involved as well. And how this is going to happen. That, that, that for the Jewish people, that, that they would riot and rally up and, and that they would go, hey, we want him crucified. And they would state blasphemy as the reason that he should be put to death. Blasphemy, claiming to be God because they didn't believe that he actually was God. And so because he was claiming to be God, and they didn't believe he was, that was reason to put him to death. But what about the Romans? Why, why were they involved? Well, they, they thought through and how they could get the Romans involved and what would cause the Romans to end up getting to the point where they would say, yeah, we're going to crucify him, because that was something the Romans did. Jews didn't crucify each other, but Romans did the crucifixions. And the reason the Romans would do this is because they would take treason as their reason of why they would crucify Jesus. That they would say, the Jewish would tell all the Roman people in charge, he claims to be king. And that would be treason for him to be rising up and having an uprising to challenge against Roman-occupied Israel. And this is why he would be put to death and these two would come together. And you know, and th this, this wasn't encouraging to hear. That as Jesus said all of this, it, it was not encouraging to hear that this would take place. It, it reminds me of, of what ends up happening with our own news outlets so many times. That, that, that what we end up seeing is, is all the things that are headline worthy, what's in the headlines is often negative or it's controversial at the least. It, it, it's that piece that's trying to, trying to grab you. In fact, on Good Friday, I, I just went to one of the news outlets that I like to look at, and I just saw right at the very top, and they just list them, no images, no, it's just right after each other, just hot links of what you can click on. Let me just share with you some of those hot links and what was said in order for you to just click on to get the news. Economic devastation looms on Good Friday like no other. How America was hit with COVID-19 from two continents. Poop study shows virus cases undercounted. Boston suburb threatens $100 fines to anyone walking in the wrong direction. Major meat processors shutting down plants nationwide as employees get sick. Prisoners riot as tensions rise. Record bankruptcies predicted as unemployment soars. Debt tops $24 trillion. That, that, that all these links, all the wording, all the verbiage for this, it's, it's all set out and it, there's nothing encouraging and positive about it. And it's what ends up happening so many times that even if there's something hopeful, even if there's something positive, it doesn't have it in the headlines. But it's what I love about Easter. Because see, Easter, Easter grabs the headline of hope. Easter, it, it promotes the hope of, of he is risen. And yet, with all of the prediction and everything that was said that Jesus laid out for what would happen and how it would happen, what we actually remember the most about Easter is the last piece within his prediction. This last part of, of verse 19 in Matthew chapter 20. But on the third day, he will be raised from the dead. 
But on the third day, he will be raised from the dead. And, and in our culture, in our society, we might go, but, but, but that's really not three days. It was Friday, then there was Saturday, then there was, how, that's like two days, Will. What, what's the deal? Well, in their culture, they counted the day that you were in as, as a day, even if it was just part of it. If, if, if anything was involved in that, so Friday counted as a day. Saturday counted as a day. Sunday counted as a day. And so Jesus said three days later that he would rise from the dead. Nothing matters more than the resurrection of Jesus. Nothing. Nothing matters more. I, I know in times like this that, that it seems like, but, but ventilators matter, and they, they matter a lot. Masks, they, they, they matter. Social distancing, it matters, it, and I, it, it does. But nothing matters more than the resurrection of Jesus. But will the, the economy, it matters. Getting back to work, it I get it. But nothing matters more than the resurrection of Jesus. You know, I think it's easy to think that because Jesus, because he predicted his death, his burial, his resurrection, that because he predicted this, that, that on that first Easter, that it was just going to be this great sense of happy Easter. But it didn't have that. It didn't quite look like what we think about as we celebrate Resurrection Sunday. But see, ever since that Resurrection Sunday, people have been gathering to celebrate what Jesus has done. And most of us, most of us that, that, are, that are tuning in, that, that we're watching this, see, see, most of us, we're here, we're tuned in because we want to celebrate what we know that Jesus has done, that he has risen from the dead. But, but see, chances are that there's some of you that, that, that you're watching that you're not convinced that Jesus has risen from the dead. That, that for you, maybe, maybe you're what we would look at as a skeptic. That you're just a little skeptical. You just have some uncertainty. You're, you're just not quite so sure that, that Jesus rose from the dead. You, you're probably not skeptical about whether there was a man named Jesus and that the man named Jesus that, that we talk about in churches and that we read about in our Bible, you, you probably don't even have any doubts that that man actually existed. But when it comes to the fact that he, he rose from the dead, you can be skeptical. And I get it because I think if there's anything that, that we could be skeptical about, it would be that, that when somebody is, is beaten near to death, and, and, and then they are put somewhere where there's going to be this instrument of death to finish him off. And for Jesus, that was the cross, and he was crucified. And he bled to death on that cross. And then they took him down, and they put him in a cave, in a tomb, and they, they sealed it. It's easy to, to doubt and be skeptical of whether he rose from the dead like what people have said that he has. I mean... It, it's hard enough to believe that, that, that somebody could die and flatline and then medically there could be an intervention and they could come back to life. It's hard enough to believe that when those rare cases happen. But to believe that there has been this one 
that actually rose from the dead. Maybe you wouldn't say that you're a skeptic. Maybe for you, you're an atheist. And that, that you just, you're, you're sitting here and you're, you're watching this and you, you really didn't even want to be watching this. And it's kind of like, okay, it's, it's forced family worship time. And you're like, okay, I guess I have to be here. Somebody with more authority than you has, has brought you in. Or, or maybe you've been an atheist and you're like going, you know what? I'm a little, I'm a little open to what, what the church is about because of everything that's been happening. And, and I'm, just, I'm just here. And see, to be that atheist, to say, I, I just don't believe that there's a God. But follow this thought with me. That if there was a God, wouldn't you want God to be powerful enough that God could overcome death? That God would be so mighty that, that God could bring himself back to life? Maybe, maybe you're one of the majority of the people that are, that are watching. And as you're watching, you're, you're somebody who's a Christ follower. You're, you're not somebody that's just sympathetic to the cause that, oh yeah, there, there is a God. You know, the, the, those people are just sympathetic to the cause that there's a God somewhere, somehow, and, and, and we don't know who he is. But you're a Christ follower. That, that, that you believe in Jesus Christ. But sometimes we get stuck in a rut with our own faith. And, and, and don't you want Jesus to be more than just a lyric that we sing? Don't, don't, don't you want Jesus, your Savior, the Lord, your God, don't you want him to be more than, than just a, a slogan? See, that's why nothing matters more than the resurrection. That nothing matters more because risen, it's not a hopeful platitude. It, it, it's not this empty hope that risen is the foundation for faith in Christ. It, it is the foundation for our faith in Christ. The, the, the birth of Jesus isn't the foundation of our faith. I mean, it's, it's where we begin to understand that, that how Jesus came. It was with his birth. But it is his resurrection, the fact that he has risen, that is the foundation for our faith in Christ. So today I want us to, to just look quickly at, at two eyewitness accounts. You see, this is where it, it really becomes important for us to know and understand is that, that there were eyewitness accounts of an empty tomb. And that there were eyewitnesses of a resurrected Jesus that spent 40 days on earth when he did come back. And so let's look at these. So we'll, we'll start in Matthew chapter 28 is where we'll get started as we, as we look. And before we look at these, it, just, just understand that Jesus, he's, he's already demonstrated the most selfless act of love by giving his life, by freely going to the cross. And he has died and he has been buried and he has been sealed in a tomb. So let's look at this. Matthew chapter 28, starting in verse 1. 
early on Sunday morning as the new day was dawning. Mary Magdalene and the other Mary were out, went out to visit the tomb. Sounds like a, a normal day. You've lost somebody you love and, and being able to go and, and just spend time with, with the remains of their body. Verse 2, suddenly there was a great earthquake for an angel of the Lord came down from heaven and rolled aside the stone and sat on it. His face shone like lightning and his clothes were as white as snow. The guards shook with fear when they saw him and they fell into a dead faint. Then the angel spoke to the women. Don't be afraid, he said. I know you are looking for Jesus who was crucified. He knows what they're there for. Verse 6, he isn't here. He is risen from the dead just as he said would happen. Come see where his body was lying. Come see, that the tomb was, was rolled away, not so Jesus could rise again, but so that people could see that he had risen. Verse 7, and now go quickly and tell his disciples that he has risen from the dead. They go, go and tell them. Because see, right now they've, they've gone back to their old life. Some of them have, have hunkered down in fear but they are not pushing to advance the cause of Christ the way they should have. They've not been waiting in anticipation for this third day when Jesus would rise from the dead. And, and here's the thing, here's the thing that, that for me just, just builds so much trust. When, when you read through the, the Gospels, the, the account of Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, when you read through these, if, if, if somebody was trying to just make this whole thing up, you wouldn't continue to make yourself look bad in your fail points, in your faltering faith, when you would do this. But yet they kept it raw. They kept it real. That allowed us to see their struggle. Let's look at John chapter 20. Another account. So here's another disciple of Jesus. Starting in verse 1. Early on Sunday morning, while it was still dark, Mary Magdalene came to the tomb and found that the stone had been rolled away from the entrance. She, she ran and found Simon Peter and the other disciple, the one whom Jesus loved. It's always interesting to, to see this and, and every time I come back to it because this is actually John. John's writing this account and, 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 and he is John, the, the, the disciple that, that Jesus loved, whom he, whom he loved. And so, so she said, they have taken the Lord's body out of the tomb and we don't know where they have put him. See, it doesn't sound like resurrection. It sounds like his body's been stolen. It's been taken. Verse 3, Peter and the other disciples started out for the tomb. They were both running. But the, but the other disciple outran Peter. I, I think this is John's humble way of saying, I was faster. He's still not identifying himself and saying, hey, it's me, John. 
But, but the other disciple, he, he outran Peter. You know, when I, when I think of Peter, I often think of like a linebacker kind of guy, right? You know, he's, he's the center. He's, he's just one of the big guys. And so it's, it's, it's easy to think that, okay, John, that you would be able to outrun him. But the other disciple outran Peter and reached the tomb first. Verse 5. He stooped and looked in, and he saw the linen wrappings lying there. But he didn't go in. He just, he's stoops and he's looking. Okay, there's no body, but, but there's still the clothes, the grave clothes. That, that when, we, when we read their account, it, it, it's, it's easy to be reminded of and to, to understand that, that nobody expected no body. The, 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 the women went to go and to, to just be there and, 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 and they just wanted to be able to give respect and, and mourn more with, with Jesus and where his body would be. But they looked and saw and they noticed where the wrappings were. So then Simon Peter arrived, he went inside. He also noticed the linen wrappings lying there. And while the cloth that had covered Jesus' head was folded up and lying apart from the other wrappings. Then the disciple who had reached the tomb first also went in and he saw and believed. What did he believe? He finally believed what Jesus had been saying was going to happen. What Jesus had said about his own resurrection. The disciples didn't believe in the resurrection until they saw evidence that Jesus had risen. See, this isn't how we would write our story if we were wanting to make ourselves look good of how we believed and trusted in Jesus and we never wavered in our faith. They hadn't believed. Verse 9, for until then, they still hadn't understood the scriptures that said Jesus must rise from the dead. It's interesting when you study the, the Jews and, and, and you begin to study what they, what they believe. Because see, the, the Jews landed in, in two different camps when it came to the, the resurrection of the dead. The, the, the Pharisees and, and, and the Sadducees, these two religious groups, and, and one uh, was, was a lot more puffed up and, and thought of themselves as higher royalty than the other, and, but, but, but they were divided. The, the one group believed that, yes, there, there is a resurrection from the dead. The other group was like, no, 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 there's no resurrection of the dead. It's just believing in God while we're here on earth now. Well, I want to look at one other account together. And this other account was not from one of the disciples. That, that is somebody that did have an actual eyewitness encounter with the resurrected Jesus, but it wasn't during these 40 days that Jesus was here on earth. It was even after that where Jesus revealed himself to a guy named Saul, who later became known as 
as Paul. But, but for Saul, when, when Jesus and the claims of Jesus of having risen from the dead and, and Christianity, Christianity, the, this believing in Christ as the Savior, as, as the anointed one, and believing that Jesus is that guy in the fulfillment of this, that when you look at that, it has started to take off and spread like wild, wild wildflowers. And, and, and as, as it just began to, to take off and begin to explode and just people kept believing and believing and believing, that, that Saul, this was a guy who made a living killing Christians. That he would persecute them, that, that some he would put to death, others that he would imprison. But once he became a believer, he devoted the rest of his life and went through many hardships to be able to keep telling others about the incredible love of our risen Savior. And so we're going to look in 1 Corinthians chapter 15. We'll start in verse 14. That the dialogue's been happening, and, and what's been happening up to this point is that, that, that there is now this division of, of talk right now. That some of the Jews are saying, no, 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 there is no resurrection of the dead. And others say, no, there is. And, and this is what's taking place. And so Paul, knowing this, he's writing a letter to them trying to address this very issue. Verse 14. And if Christ has not been raised, then all our preaching is useless. And your faith is useless. It's not if Jesus has never been on earth. It's if Jesus has not risen from the dead. Then all the preaching and all the faith, it is absolutely useless. Verse 15. And we apostles would all be lying about God. For we have said that God raised Christ from the grave. But that can't be true if there is no resurrection of the dead. And if there is no resurrection of the dead, then Christ has not been raised. And if Christ has not been raised, then your faith is useless and you are still guilty of your sins. In that case, all who have died believing in Christ they're lost. They, they, don't, they don't have the promise of heaven. They're just lost if that is the case. And check out this verse. And if our hope in Christ is only for this life, we are more to be pitied than anyone in the world. You know, it's interesting because I... I think there are some that, that, that pity Christians because they don't understand and they don't believe in the resurrection and that Jesus did rise from the dead. If Jesus never rose from the dead, our faith would be worthless. So this is why nothing matters more than the resurrection of Jesus. 
But in fact, Christ has been raised from the dead. And he is the first of a great harvest of all who have died. <coughs> Sorry. So you see, just as death came into the world through a man, now the resurrection from the dead has begun through another man. Sin entered the world through Adam. The forgiveness of sin came into the world through the resurrection of Jesus. Just as everyone dies because we all belong to Adam, everyone who belongs to Christ will be given new life. Everyone that belongs to him, how do we belong to him? We belong to him when we believe in him. It, it, it's our belief that allows us to belong, that, that we're all invited. But it takes belief. It takes acting on that invitation to come into the family of God. The resurrection is the finished work of the cross. It's, it's the finished work. Dying didn't finish what Jesus came to do. Rising is what finished what Jesus came to do. It matters. It matters that Jesus has risen. Last passage. Ephesians chapter 1, verse 19. I also pray that you will understand the incredible greatness of God's power for us who believe him. That, that we would understand the incredible greatness of God's power for those that believe him. This is the same mighty power that raised Christ from the dead and seated him in the place of honor at God's right hand in the heavenly realms. Nothing matters more than the resurrection of Jesus. Our band's going to come back up. And, and I really encourage you, don't, don't, don't tune out. I, I think that the moment that we're getting ready to experience in song is probably going to be the most powerful song experience that we are going to have this year and maybe that we have ever had. The, the, the understanding that, that, that we get to run to the Father and understanding that, that He is worth running to. That because of what Jesus has done, that in light of the resurrection, that, that we're all offered eternal life. It, it, it's offered to each and every one of us. And, and, and it's the hope of the resurrection, is that Jesus rose again. That, that not only did he, did he die the death to bleed out for us, because it's the blood that is what required to cover sin and pay for it. But, but he, he rose from the dead, and it's what allows Jesus to be the risen Savior. And as the risen Savior, he is a living sacrifice. That he's the living sacrifice.
It's why there's no more sacrifices anymore, because he did it. He completed it. You know, kings and kingdoms, they, they, they rise and they fall. But Jesus' kingdom, it never fell. And it won't ever fall. He is the king of kings. And, and, he, and he loves you. And he wants to be in relationship with you. And when you understand this, you understand that you can run to the Father.
again and again and again. And you know, for those of us that, 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 that we've been living in this belief that, that we know what that's like to keep running back to him again and again. But, but maybe, maybe you started today as that skeptic. Maybe you started today as that atheist. And that, that when you look at this and you see that, that here were these disciples that were doubters as well and, and that they were skeptical that, that Jesus would rise again and they didn't believe until they saw evidence of that belief. And then they ran. But they ran to go tell others. You know, you, you can run to your heavenly Father. That he's got arms wide open for you. That for you to, to believe in his son who has risen, the foundation for our faith, nothing matters more than the resurrection of Jesus. And if that is something that, that you are willing to embrace, if you're ready to cross the line of, from doubt to belief, then you can receive what is offered to anyone who will believe. And the hope that is offered is that we would get to spend eternity in heaven with our Heavenly Father, with Jesus, our Savior. And so if that's you, and, and you've not done this, you've never made this decision, you've never wholeheartedly, fully believed and trusted in Jesus, and you're ready to do that now, I'm just going to say a prayer, and, and I'm just going to ask that, that you would just say this right where you are. Maybe you're going to say it out loud. Maybe you're just going to say it silently in your heart. However you're going to do this, just share this. And let this be the beginning of you running to your Heavenly Father. God, I am so ready to run to you. God, I've not believed and I have doubted. But Jesus, you, you rose from the dead. You didn't, you didn't just sympathetically go and and offer your body as a sacrifice for me, but you had the power to rise from the dead. And even though I couldn't see it, I believe it. And I just confess that I'm a sinner and I need your grace and your mercy. I need the hope that can only come from you. And so today, I give myself to you right here where I am. And I am ready to live the rest of my life as a believer 
Help me to grow in this faith and show me to keep running again and again and again to my heavenly Father. Jesus, it's in your resurrected name that I pray. Amen.